invite you to open your Bible with me and turn to Psalm 61. Psalm 61, a Psalm of David. And we're going to un- just unpack these, these words given to us by the Holy Spirit to encourage us and strengthen us <clears throat> as they direct us again to the Lord. This is how God sustains His people, through, um, through His Word. Uh, this is our bread. Let's feed on it tonight. Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Let's again ask the Lord to bless his word. Father, you've given us these words, Lord Jesus. um, We thank you that it's your desire tonight that they become food for our soul as your Holy Spirit um, gives us the ability to understand who you are for us and what that means for our day-to-day life. We pray, Lord Jesus, that uh, we would just uh, commune with you tonight through your word and that it would be sweet. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message tonight is A Psalm for the Overwhelmed. Uh, This is a psalm for people who feel um, just burdened beyond their capacity by the trials of life. I've talked just this past week with several members here at Harvest who uh, confessed to feeling overwhelmed. If, uh, if you were to ask Jen Pasma how to describe uh, what their family is going through with uh, Scott and Becky, the bro- her brother who's been paralyzed from a, of a uh, fall, and Becky now has COVID at home um, and not able to see him. And, um, and uh, if, if you asked her to pick a word to describe it, overwhelmed, I'm sure would be one of the words that, uh, that she would use. Just overwhelming. It just seems incomprehensibly difficult. And maybe you're in that place tonight of uh, the, the, uh, something in your life has, has, has overwhelmed you. You feel utterly incapable of dealing with it. Uh, Stuart Olicott, a, a pastor in Great Britain, tells the story of a, a dear friend of his who had been uh, converted out of uh, Roman Catholicism and had been converted, um, though his family was very staunchly Roman Catholic. And this man then for several years bore the brunt of their anger, their derision, their rejection, And until finally at one low point, he decided that he just couldn't do it anymore and uh, determined to go back to the Roman Catholic Church so he would have his family back. But he wanted to experience a Christian uh, worship service one last time. And so uh, he made his way to his his home church and um, his heart was breaking as he walked through the doors knowing this would be the last time that he he heard the gospel. And... um, so he sat down, and when it came to the sermon, the pastor opened uh, the scripture, and it was Psalm 61. And when he heard the words of verse 2, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, uh, tears began to flow down his face, 
as he realized this was God's word for him. Uh, that um, God had a plan yet in spite of his overwhelming condition and heartache. That God had not forgotten him. God cared for him and would provide for him. And that man is, uh, is now a pastor in an evangelical church in Great Britain. And my prayer is that um, we would hear these words with that same sort of encouragement. Um, it it uh, is easy to be overwhelmed in the world in which we live. And, and, and we might ex- experience uh, overwhelming conditions in the months uh, ahead. Uh, but we have here a word from God for us. We're not told uh, the specific occasion of this psalm. Uh, as you know, some of the psalms have titles that tell us exactly uh, what David was doing or experiencing when he wrote that psalm, what inspired that psalm. We don't have a, such a title here. Um, the, the scholars that I've read seem to suggest one of two possibilities. Either uh, David is maybe writing this when he's on one of his military campaigns far from home and um, And the other option that's most often suggested, which I think is more likely, is that David is writing this when he's running from Absalom, his son. If you remember the story, Absalom, his son, tried to take over the kingdom and took over the throne. And David is running for his life. But this psalm is a psalm that provides comfort and encouragement for God's people throughout the ages because we have experiences of overwhelming need. Uh, David is writing apparently from some situation of exile far from the ends of the earth. And we have those exilic experiences in the Christian life. In fact, uh, it's not a stretch at all to say the Christian life in total is uh, an experience of exile. Peter, remember, in 1 Peter 1, uh, refers to, addresses the church to to you elect exiles scattered through the world. We don't fit here. We don't, in in some sense, belong in some fundamental way. This isn't home. This isn't where our heart desires to be. And and in this uh, exilic place, uh, we can uh, just feel sadness and weariness and anxiety and uncertainty, not clear of what what God is doing in our life. And and sometimes God just seems far removed. Well, um, in that context, uh, God has a word for us. Psalm 61 is a psalm for the overwhelmed. Uh, We're going to begin by just looking at the place uh, where David prays, and then the the plea of the prayer, and then a petition, um, a central petition of the prayer. So the place, um, I just first want us to note verse 1, hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. And just to note, so we don't just run past it, because the the words of Scripture are, are so rich, um, just notice that David is, is praying. He begins where all true prayer begins with a, uh, by addressing God with expectant faith. So when David says, hear my prayer, O Lord, listen to my prayer, he's not simply asking God to audibly hear him uh, or, or hear the voice, David's voice, but he's, he's specifically asking God to respond to him to take action, to, to get engaged, get involved, take up David's cause. Um, that, that is the, the signature of the prayer of a true believer. Uh, anyone can mouth uh, you know, a prayer, a, a religi- do a, the religious act of praying. Many different religions have prayer. But David's not mouthing pious words. He's, he's not... Um, 
He's just not performing a religious act. David's calling 911. Uh, I don't know if you've ever called 911, uh, but when you do, I expect you, you do that because you believe uh, that someone on the other line will care. Uh, you believe that someone on the other end of the line has been trained to help you and that that person has access to other people that they can send to help you in your time of need. You don't call 911 uh, doubting their willingness to help. Uh, David calls on God with absolute conviction that God is willing to help and he believes that God will help. Uh, David knows the truth contained in Psalm 50, verse 15, when God says, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. Well, David's calling, and he expects deliverance. It's a wonderful reminder of, of believing prayer. Um, as I was studying this, it just struck me how, I wonder how many of my prayers, maybe when I get to heaven, I'll know, um, but how many of my prayers have not been answered because I did not come with any expectancy they would be? Uh, James speaks of that, doesn't he, right? About the doubting man. Let not, let not that man uh, think that he will re receive anything because he's a, he's a double-minded man. Doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't pray with this expectancy. It's very encouraging when we pray as though we're calling 911, believing that God absolutely will respond in his perfect time and in his perfect way. We're not just throwing up a, a, a hope, but we're calling on the living God to come and help. And David needs help because he is in a place of exile. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. When David fled from Absalom, uh, he, uh, he went across the Jordan River to a place called Mahanaim. It wasn't, it's not that far geographically, but it is uh, in every way that mattered the end of the world, the end of the earth. It is, it is removed from Jerusalem, the holy city, which every pious Jew saw as the center of the universe. God was there in Jerusalem. It's removed, it is removed from um, the throne and, and the palace, David's home and, and David's work. It, it's uh, all the power and the honor and the prestige that he had known as the king of Israel, is, it's now in shambles. Everything that defined David's life at this point is gone. He's running for his life, fleeing from his own son, and he's overwhelmed. Uh, we, we still have these sorts of experiences. When you lose suddenly a loved one and you realize that so much of what has defined you and what has made up your life now is, 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 is gone. Uh, there can be tragic accidents like happened to Scott. And the former life that he knew is gone. Uh, we might have these experiences in, in, in our country as, as um, countries rise and countries fall. And, um, and things that define our life can fall away. David cries out to the Lord from that, that sort of place. Uh, the word rendered faint here in the ESV, when my heart is faint, I'm not, I'm not thrilled with that translation. When I, when I think of fainting, I, I think of these sort of Elizabethan, Elizabethan novels where the, the ladies faint. And uh, it's just, it doesn't really capture 
um, the, the anguish of the word. This is, this is a heart that is, it's, it's not just weak, it's crushed. It, it, it's been run over by a Mack truck. It's devastated. And so when the old King James says, my heart is overwhelmed, that much, I think, is a better translation. It captures uh, what's happened to David. Think about the things that have happened to him, the things that would be crushing his spirit and weighing on his heart. Um, he, would be, he, would, he would be devastated by the sin and rebellion of his son, Absalom, a cherished son, a son whom David took great pride in Absalom, and yet, and yet now the, 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 the betrayal of Absalom, the, the great sin of Absalom would be devastating to David as a father. And he would have been overwhelmed even more by the knowledge that all this was God's judgment on David's own sin. If you remember when, when God had uh, rebuked David through Nathan the prophet for, for David's sin with Bathsheba and the, the killing of her husband, God had promised him in 2 Samuel 12, verse 11, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And now it's happening. Out of his own house, evil is raising up. And though Absalom's sin is his own sin, David knows that it is also God's discipline for his sin. <clears throat> Can you imagine how tormenting that has to be for a parent, for David? That Absalom's great sin in some way is linked to his own profound failure. And that God is disciplining him through Absalom. And he's been betrayed by his own people, his own leaders. Men that he's known, men that he's raised up and promoted and, and worked with and fought with. Now have joined forces with Absalom and seek to kill him. It is a crushing, crushing moment. And that's the place where David prays. And the petition is this, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. A rock, of course, is a place of safety. It's a place of shelter. Uh, whether you're being threatened by a flood uh, or being threatened by an army, a high rock can be the difference between life and death, whether you live or die. Uh, there's an example of, of this sort of idea in Psalm 27 where David says in verse 5, He will lift me high upon a rock. Then shall my head be exalted above my enemies all around me. And so David is praying, lead me to this rock that's higher than I. And uh, the question we want to ask is, what specifically is he asking for? Is he, is he simply asking for safety? Lord, make me safe, make me, make me secure. Well, not really. What he is specifically asking for is God. Notice the next line. For you have been my refuge. You have been my strong tower against the enemy. God is the rock. And so when David prays, lead me to the rock that's higher than I, he's asking for God to lead him to himself. God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. And by, and, and by uh, speaking this prayer, David acknowledges uh, two, two uh, profound truths. The, the first being the truth of his own lowliness. Can you imagine how weak and small and helpless and sinful David must have felt as, as the discipline of God is, 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 fall, is, is falling all around him? 
as he's powerless to, to help himself, to save himself. He feels so low, so small. But, but there's this other wonderful truth. God is high. God is, is mighty. David acknowledges God's omnipotent greatness. It's a wonderful encouragement to God's children. Uh, boys and girls, when, you are, um, when you're afraid, maybe, maybe there's a big thunderstorm, and, and uh, you're, you're up in your bedroom, and it's dark, and the lightning's flashing, and the thunder's crashing, and you're afraid. Isn't it nice to know that, that mom and dad are in the house, and they're strong, and they're not afraid? And, they're, and they'll come, and they'll comfort you, and they'll, and they'll encourage you, and even pray with you. But, but how much more than, boys and girls, to know that, that no matter how small and afraid we might be, there is a mighty God who controls the thunderstorm. Every flash of lightning, he controls. God is high. And that's a good truth to remember when we experience our weakness. Above all the, the weakness and wickedness and weariness of our life, God stands high and lifted up. And, and his mercy and his love and his truth and his grace and his patience and his kindness, his compassion, his faithfulness, all these things um, are a mighty rock and refuge for God's children. This is, these are the things that we run to and we plead for the Lord to lead us to. And there are times where we need to be led. If you are truly overwhelmed, there, there are times when you can't, you can't find your way, spiritually speaking. Have you ever been in a, in a circumstance where it just seemed like prayer didn't work? Either you didn't have the heart to pray, you were just too... Um, too afraid, too guilty, too, uh, too filled with despair. You weren't able to pray. You're, maybe your heart was hard. Maybe you were gripped by some uh, deep bitterness over a wrong that had been committed against you. Uh, maybe you're just crushed by some devastating loss, some sorrow. And, and you, know, you know there's a rock, but you don't know how to get to it. You remember times in the past where, where God was a great comfort to you and you don't know how to get there again. Those things happen to us. It's a wonderful reminder here that, that we can ask God to lead us there. When we can't find our way, we can, we can ask, Lord, lead me. There have been times, and I, I've said this before, but there are times when I, I go to bed at night and I just know my heart is hard. Um, I've been relying on my own strength. I've been... Um, just uh, maybe flirting with the sin and temptation and, or, or just hurt, bitter, whatever it might be. And I know my heart is hard. And I'll just pray, Lord, um, you do a work. Change my heart. I can't fix it. I can't solve it. We're able to pray that prayer. Lord, lead me to the rock. Take me there to that comfort and strength of your presence. It's, it's important, again, to see here what, what David asked for and what he doesn't ask for. Uh, when, when we are in a time of trial, our instinct is to pray. If we're going to pray, uh, we pray, Lord, remove the trial. Uh, remove the, the difficult circumstance. Make it go away. But David doesn't pray that. Um, David um, could have, right? He, he could have done what we do. Lord, um, would you please fix this? You're, you're mighty, you're strong, you're able, you can do anything, which is true. 
That's not what he prays for. He, he leaves the circumstances to God. God is in control of the circumstances. Let God be God. Let God, we can pray and we can ask. But the central thing, the core thing, let God take care of the circumstances. But, but what David pleads for is God himself. Lord, lead me to this rock. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. That's the essential prayer. What we want at that moment is, is not just, so imagine you're, you're, you're sick and you've, you've been here, you've been you know, on the couch and you feel awful. And, and uh, you pray, of course, Lord, make the, the illness go away, but have you ever just, just um, asked for the comfort of God's presence? Lord, just, just lead me. I'm afraid and I'm weak and I'm in pain. Could you just lead, lead me, Lord, to the shelter of your wings? You can have a sweet joy on the sickbed as you, as you rest in the, the wings of God, as you abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Because you, when you do that, you see, when you trust yourself and, and take refuge in God in that way, then whatever hurt there might be in the circumstance, there will be no harm in the circumstance. You cannot, you cannot be harmed there in the presence of God. That's David's prayer. And as he prays, he remembers that the Lord has been a help in the past and the Lord has blessed him and that he's in relationship with God. Verse 5, For you, O God, have heard my vows and you've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. David doesn't pray to God as a stranger. He prays to God as a, as a member of the covenant. Someone who's made promises to God, but more importantly, God has made promises to him. David has vowed to live his life for the Lord, to, to, to seek the Lord. One thing I ask, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Teach me your law, right? Psalm 119 is full of that. That's, that's been David's vow. I want to follow the Lord. I want to fear the Lord. But God has made promises to David. God has promised to give David the heritage given to those who fear his name. God gives an inheritance, a, a heritage to those who fear him. One of the verses in scripture that, that, that speaks specifically to this is Malachi 4.2, where we read, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. If you want a, if you want a picture of, of sheer, irrational, um, over-the-top joy, um, some spring day, go and watch when a farmer lets the calves out of the stall. And, uh, and they, they, they jump around like crazy idiots. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite something to see. The, the, just the sheer joy of being out of the barn. Well, um, God says that's the experience of his children. You'll, we'll be leaping with this overwhelming exhilaration, this ecstasy, that we've been set free, free from sin, free from condemnation, free from death. Free to know God and to dwell with God. Where there are pleasures forevermore, Psalm 16, verse 11. That's the inheritance God gives to those who fear his name. And so David prays as a child of God, someone who's in covenant with God, someone who's been loved by God, someone who's been assured by God of a heritage, a, an inheritance. And somehow it's all wrapped up in a king. 
Verse 6, prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. There's a, 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 a double aspect to this prayer. On the one hand, it seems David is praying that God would prolong his life. But he's, not, he's asking for much more than that. The, the, the language is too expansive for David simply to be referring to himself. Notice, may his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Uh, David's prayer, his longing, you see, is not just that this current circumstance gets resolved. He desires that, but he desires so much more than that. He desires that the whole thing gets resolved. All the, all the, 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 the wickedness and the, the wrong in the world that, that has allowed this circumstance to come to pass including the sin that drove David to his, his desperate wickedness and the, and, the, and the power that's driving Absalom to his wickedness. The, the longing is for, for God to establish a king who's going to reign in righteousness and, and make that go away. I'm sure you've had this experience. When you're in some, some deep trouble or trial, or maybe you've heard about it. When I listened to Jen Pazma tell the story of her brother, and his, and his wife, Becky. The, the, the desire isn't just that this gets fixed somehow. The desire is that all that makes this world broken gets fixed. I just read this week um, that, that um, people are estimating that because of the economic decline this year, that 130 million people will die of starvation this year. Now, I don't know how close to true that is, but if that's rem remotely in the realm of, of truth, I mean, imagine that. This is dying of starvation. You don't have enough to eat. People just like you and me, born, made in the image of God. And they, they're going to die this year because they don't have enough food. And there's something within you that you see that, that should just recoil at that. That, Lord, just bring the curtain down. Make it new. Bring us, bring us through this. That, that, that's what David's longing for. You see, in the midst of the, the war and the death and the betrayal and the grief of his own circumstance, it, it's just a window into what's happening all over the world. And he longs for the lasting joy and peace and life that comes when God's king, his eternal king, is reigning. This is a prayer, I believe, for the Messiah, that eternal king who will usher, into the, uh, usher in the eternal kingdom and that, and that mighty king who will make everything new. Pain and trouble can shrink our vision, but for the children of God, it, it, it should expand it so that we see the big picture, the, the great redemptive purposes of God. And we pray for that to happen. Lord, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we long for. For that day when things are going to be revealed and made right when Jesus Christ is revealed. And the joy of a New Testament Christian, of course, is that the Messiah has come. The king has been established. And he's been enthroned. And he's reigning. He not only lives today, Jesus is not only alive, Jesus reigns today. 
And every atom of the universe is in His sovereign hand. Our trouble is is in His hand. Our life and death are in His his care. He's working out His purposes as He's preparing for the new heaven and the new earth. And So that means that today, as we wait, no matter how sinful, no matter how weary we might be, today we can hide ourselves in the mercy and the love and the grace and the truth and the patience and kindness and faithfulness of our rock, all ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that place, we can sing, as David concludes, So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. The song of an overwhelmed child of God always ends with praise when our eyes get fixed again on the goodness of God and and the faithfulness of God and the King of God. And, and, and we can sing. It might be through tears. It might be through with a broken heart. But that's the song of faith where we walk not by what we see, but what we believe, what God has told to us. The things that we have received and believed to be true. And in that, in, 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 in that manner, you see, we, we walk day by day. David speaks of performing my vows day by day. In that manner, we walk by, by faith and in obedience Trusting in the Lord day by day, day by day, in the circumstances, however hard they might be. Because you see, we have strength in. Our eyes are fixed on, on Jesus and the, and the joy belonging to Jesus. And the wonder of, uh, just, just the, the glory of one day knowing that we'll be, we'll be with Him. That this, this is exile. This isn't home. But home is coming. It's coming soon. And we, we're, in, we're strengthened by that. Paul speaks of the strength that comes from that. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. He speaks of the experience of a child of God living in that, in that conviction. So he says, Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Uh, endurance and patience, we don't usually put in the, in the same category as joy. If you had, what, what word doesn't fit in this picture, right? Endurance, patience, and joy. I think we, we would X out joy and yet and yet we can live with endurance which means it's hard and patience which means it's it's long and we can do it with joy giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light god has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints the heritage of those who fear his name God has given this to you by a free gift so that we can give thanks. Thank you, Father, for giving me what I could never earn, giving me the inestimable privilege and glory of the inheritance of the saints in light. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving your life so that I could have that inheritance. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for keeping me for that inheritance, keeping me from falling away. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And help me now to live my life, fulfilling my vows, walking in faith, walking in obedience, walking with confident, patient, thankful, endurance, and even joy. Because we have a king who reigns. A king who knows us. A king who's a rock for his people. Let's live in him. Amen. Father in heaven, we have brothers and sisters today who are overwhelmed, maybe here in this room, 
maybe in a hut in Haiti or in the slums of Bangladesh, maybe in a persecuted camp in, in North Korea. Maybe, Lord, uh, all alone and, and racked with guilt and sin, feeling like they've, they're in exile and they don't know how to get back home. Father, I pray that you would tonight remind us, remind your people that you are the God who leads us to a rock that is higher than I. higher than we are, and, and that in, in this rock there is safety, there's refuge, there's joy. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus, our King who reigns, and we thank you for a new heaven and a new earth that he's promised. And we thank you, Lord, that though we are people of dust here today and gone tomorrow, we thank you that we will live forever by faith now, but by sight then with Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, uh, give, us, give us joy as we endure. Give us joy as we are patient. I pray you would, Lord, strengthen us. May we live with, with noticeable encouragement and, and contentment and, and, and happiness because we are living in the rock, the rock of our God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close by singing uh, the hymn, O Safe to the Rock That's Higher Than I. It's written by William Cushing, uh, a man who'd been a pastor and wrote this out of a, a time of great despair in his own life. He, his wife had passed away. Uh, he uh, had to leave the ministry because of health issues and felt his own time of exile and, um, and just prayed out of that, uh, Lord, give me something useful to do for you. And a, few, uh, a while later, uh, Ira D. Sankey, the, uh, the musician, the, the, the lead singer for D.L. Moody's evangelism campaigns, uh, wrote him a letter and said, uh, send me something new that I can use for my gospel ministry. And so um, William Cushing wrote from Psalm 61, verse 2, uh, safe to the rock that is higher than I, hiding in thee. Let's stand together and sing.